Welcome to the Crave Magazine Podcast, feeding your soul with art. Find your right path and your passion and go for it. If you're worried about getting it perfect every single time, you're not going to do anything. You have to find something within yourself and that you want to express. Don't ever say can't. The word can't is not in your vocabulary, ever. Are you willing to do what it takes to get to the next level? Artists are necessary to prove things that are impossible to prove. All right, so today I'm here with Kenny and Jessica, a.k.a. Jesse Nelson. They are incredible dance partners as well as dance instructors, and I met them taking a dance class, a swing dance class. They're award-winning swing dancers, and they never dance together. We'll talk more about that. Uh, but instead of getting to a long introduction, I'm just going to say hello. Welcome to the podcast, Kenny and Jesse. Hello. Thank you. Welcome. Hello. Hello. I like to begin with kind of an inspiration, something that inspires you guys also. I'll have you guys each answer that. And so whether that is a favorite dance or a favorite song or a favorite movie or a favorite quote or artist of any kind, just something that inspires with you that you kind of always refer back to times of inspiration. You want to go first or me? You're going to be editing these pauses out, right? <laughs> I'll go first. Especially um, real long. The first thing that came to mind for me is just whenever I can dance to live music, and it doesn't necessarily, there's not like one specific band, but it's just diff- it's a different experience to dance to live music versus recorded DJed music. Yeah. And I think I always have my best dance experiences when I'm dancing to live music. So there's an event that we go to over New Year's every year called Lindy Focus. It's in Asheville, North Carolina. And they really focus on their live music program. So I always have really, really great dances and really inspired dances at that event. And yeah, so I would just say live swing music for yeah. me. Okay. Well, so yeah. I was going to say that was a great yeah. explanation of why as well, because that's a follow-up question that I don't need to ask. There you go. <laughs> so Kenny. Well, I think I would have chose that, but to uh, go with something different, I would say what inspires me sometimes is uh, being in, in an awesome field of competitors and seeing who uh, who we're going to be throwing down with and against. It's kind of inspiring, like just being out there with everyone. Yeah, yeah. So is it true, like they say with tennis or anything, if you want to get better, you know, you compete against someone better than you. When you see competitors that you know or that you see them perform and how good their performance is, does that make you raise your game as well? Oh, definitely. Because yeah. uh, I used to get caught up and and thinking, oh man, I have to beat my peers. But then I realized I really should be aiming beyond my peers in, in order to like keep my goals, uh, like keep stretching them forward and working harder. Sure, sure. Yeah. Oh, cool. That's a great way to start. Two great intro uh, inspiration. I want to know about why or your story and. Um, <laughs> kind of get to why we're sitting here today you both dance mm-hmm. why don't you each separately take us down like a short little memory lane of how you got into dance up to the point let's say like let's start with you jesse how you got into dance why you dance and then like take me up to the point of kenny and then yeah. kenny i'm gonna have you give me a smaller intro and then take that forward you and jesse forward Perfect. okay <laughs> um so i started dancing in 2003 um so i've been dancing about half of my life now Um, And that was swing dancing. So I started in a ballroom studio in upstate New York, learning just all kinds of ballroom dances. And then swing dancing was one of those dances that I learned. And it was just way more fun than the other dances like polka and waltz and stuff. And I just loved the music a lot. So I stuck with that one and kept going with that. And so I danced. Yeah. How did you end up there? Like... How did I end up there? Okay, we can go back a little further then. Uh, So I was homeschooled. Okay. And my homeschooling group was putting on an event, like a ballroom dance. And so that's why we wanted to learn how to dance. So we made our own dresses. We learned how to dance. And so that's how I started. And I got to that studio. Okay. Um, And I stuck with swing dancing because it was the most fun. And I got all my friends into it. And just like dove into it headfirst. I spent so much time dancing and since I was homeschooled I actually had the ability to really do that focus on it yeah Yeah. and I was still doing other studies and you know the important stuff but I spent a lot of time practicing dance I learned with my younger sister Ellie and we would practice at home together so one of the benefits of that 
was that in class we were both learning how to follow, uh, which is one of the roles in the dance. And then when we got home, we would figure out the other side, which was the leader's part. Okay. And so we could practice together. And I didn't realize how much at the time that was benefiting me as a dancer. But to learn both roles, I think I got better a lot faster than some people who only learned one role. Sure, that makes sense. Um, so yeah, I spent a lot of time dancing. I started traveling around the Northeast. I was in upstate New York, traveling around the Northeast with my friends and my friends' parents because we were too young to travel on our own at the time. Like dance performances or? or, or? Um, mostly workshops because I oh, just okay. wanted to learn, learn, learn. Okay. So attending workshops uh, or like social dance events or something combined. So you take classes during the day and then you go out social dancing at night to live music. So I did that as much as I could for a long time. I started competing. I started teaching pretty early on because in my scene, my dance scene, which was um, near Albany, New York, there weren't a lot of dancers there and there weren't a lot of talented dancers. So when my teachers decided they were moving away, uh, they asked me and my sister to teach in their place. Wow. And I How think- How old were you then? I must've been 17. Wow. So I started dancing, I think when I was 15. And my younger sister, she's two and a half years younger than me. So we were younger than everybody we were teaching wow. at that point. Yeah. Um, so they gave us a little bit of training before they left and then just kind of threw us into the wolves and we had to fend for ourselves but again like I got we got good faster because we were teaching the things that we were doing which just gives you a whole other understanding sure. of the dance um, so I started teaching I started competing traveling a lot I ended up at a camp called Beantown Dance Camp in Boston or near Boston where I met Kenny and we were both working at the event I was working as a DJ which is another thing I took up Sort of. <laughs> uh, not no vinyl records. I was just doing it from my laptop, so oh, okay. you can add those sound effects sure, in. Sure, sure. But uh, yeah, so I was DJing swing music at that camp, and Kenny was teaching at the camp. So that's how we met. And maybe it's a good time to pass it to Kenny, unless you have any other questions. Well, um, I just want to point out that um, you were homeschooled. Yes. And so, I don't know if this sort of stereotype still exists today, but I want to point it out because, like, like you know, I grew up in a public school system. Most people I know grew up in a public school system. As an adult, I had friends who had kids that they were homeschooling. And one of the things you hear a lot is, like, oh, you're homeschooled. You don't interact at all with, with other kids. Yes. And I have come to learn that that's totally not true. And you're, I think you're a shining example of you were homeschooled, but yet you had this network of other homeschooled kids yes. that you interacted with, that you did stuff with. And here was a group that you danced with mm -hmm. and um, led you to this path with meeting Kenny. Yeah, so it's interestingly enough, Kenny was also homeschooled. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, then I want to so go. So maybe two shining examples. Yeah, oh, then I want to go back to, um, like you said, you had more time. And I think that could be, I know in universities and other parts of the world, the universities are very specific to what your field of study is, and you don't go through all the generalities that we go through here in the US for the first two years of college. It's like you're gonna be an, uh, an aerospace engineer, you're in engineering from day one and that's all you study. You don't have to right. do the foreign language classes and all the other humanities and things if you don't want to. And I think that's also similar to like homeschooling and high schooling. Sure, you have your basic core education, but if you have a focus that you love, you can spend time dedicated to that to become great at it. Yeah, yeah, and just getting briefly into that, I think my father who is definitely an uh, advocate of homeschooling would say that we did more free schooling which is self-guided curriculum okay so that's why I think again I had the opportunity to focus on the things I wanted to focus on so I focused a lot on writing I now have a career where I write a lot I'm in public relations um, and I focused on dancing a lot and I I liked math and I was pretty good at math so I focused on that a lot so it's a little bit different than some people might do homeschooling. Sure. But yes, I also definitely had a good social element where we had a homeschooling group that met regularly for different activities or classes. So yeah, I hopefully broke the uh, stereotype of homeschooling. <laughs> okay. Well, now it's Kenny's turn. Yeah, so anyway, I was well, homeschooled. Yeah, yeah, give us your story too, since you were homeschooled as well. Yeah, so uh, keep it nice and tight. I, I was uh, homeschooled like second all the way through uh, when I graduated uh, high school. And then I got into dancing because there was a consortium of, uh, of 
homeschoolers. It was one homeschool group within like the overall co-op that was in our county in Kansas City. And uh, they had a choir element, they had a theater element, and then they had a dance element, which meant like, um, like jazz and, and modern and tap. And my mom thought it would be good for me to socialize with people and then to also try out for this upcoming musical, come to find out, yes, I did have some dance talent. <laughs> and so out of that, like two, three years uh, later down the road, uh, friends of mine, their older siblings, could go out to the clubs in Kansas City when uh, the Neo Swing Bands were on the rise back in 97, 98. And then it would filter down to us during their free time. They'd be like, hey, we learned this thing from my older sibling. And so I just got crash coursed into it and then eventually found an all-ages studio in which I got connected with a team, with performing, with teaching. And then that led me eventually to Denver. I came out to Denver because I had a friend that recently moved uh, out there and I came out to a Lindy Exchange. And what that is, it's kind of a way for a city to show what it's seen is all about and feature live music and like activities such as you know go to watch park play volleyball eat food yeah um and i saw this amazing team perform called 23 skidoo which isn't in existence uh right now in the form that it was back then but it like really inspired me and so i came back out to denver four or five different times back in 2005 eventually moved here and kind of made it my goal to like make it on that team and out of that uh, That's why you kept coming back to Denver to to visit for like for workshops and for like a Westie event one time for New Year's Eve and then I moved out like January thirtieth in two thousand five. Okay, yeah, and then out of that more more teaching more competitions and like cleaned up my Lindy Hop style and that eventually led me to Beantown Swing Dance Camp where I met Jesse. <clears throat> yep. In two thousand twelve, I think. That sounds right. Cool. So you said you you are you come from Kansas City? Is that yes. right? Yeah, Missouri born and raised. Mm -hmm. And then um, how did you end up getting going to this camp and and uh, got asked to teach there like a few a few classes uh, there, and then uh, met Jesse. I think she first saw me because I was really into planking at that time. Yeah. <laughs> Laying stuff as a board on random objects. So she saw this crazy guy. And, and getting somebody to take pictures of you? Well, I was setting it up on my guys. tripod and like trying to run up the thing really quickly okay. within 10 seconds. Self-planking. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It was great. Yeah. And I don't know, she could probably tell the part of like, of us talking together at lunch or whatever. But uh, it was at a night of karaoke uh, we were uh, sitting together on a sofa, and then another dancer like hopped on the right side and like smushed us closer together. And my hand just happened to fall on her knee, and, and I don't remember quite she what said, I you said. You have to marry me now. <laughs> no. Yeah, you just said, oh, "Sorry, there's no other place for me to put my hand." Um, so that was kind oh. of, you know. Oh yeah. His first line on me, and we just ended up hanging out a lot at that camp, and. Um, keeping in Thank touch you. afterward. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you want to continue. Yeah. And uh, it was really interesting because I went out to Rochester really quick after that because I was about to leave uh, for 10 weeks to go teach overseas and to live in Madrid. Wow. And so that was the state of our uh, start of our long distance relationship. Yes. Ah. So we'll continue to talk more about your relationship as we move yep. forward. Before we start recording, you guys had said that you don't compete together. True. Anymore. Did you compete <laughs> together ever? Never? Once. Once. Once and you got third. Which was also at Beantown, uh, that yeah. same camp, but a different year. We did a soul dancing competition and got third place. Okay. Uh, and that was just because it was something that we could do truly just for fun. Yeah, we didn't low prepare key. for it at all. It's not a traditional dance style that we train for, but in general, Competing is really stressful, yeah. uh, and that didn't need to be another element of our personal relationship because sure. uh, they definitely overlap. Even teaching some, sometimes together can be stressful, but we do teach together and we dance together socially. Um, we'll sometimes perform together, yeah. like go out on gigs together. Yeah. Right. So, so it's not a competition. Yeah, there's. I think there's just too high of stakes. And but you guys compete separately, though. We do. And still do yeah. that. How long have you guys been married? 
Let's see. Two and a half. Years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's almost two and a half. Two and a half years. <laughs> okay. Yes. Um, so we do compete separately, and part of that is I have traditionally competed in solo divisions like solo Charleston. Right. That's been a big focus of mine, so you don't need a partner for that. Whereas Kenny competes more in the partnered routines with air steps, aerials, so he has a partner that he works with that on. Okay. Cool. Yeah. At what point, so you kept this relationship going after camp. I kind of yes. want to get back to that because it's, yeah. it's so fascinating. You kept the relationship going after camp, and then at what point did you guys, like, okay, this is, we're going to, because you lived in, a different, lived in different parts of the country. Right. Yeah, so like Kenny was saying, he was teaching overseas a lot at that time, so he would go away for eight weeks, ten weeks, and come back for a couple weeks at a time, and even during those couple weeks, we would only see each other for a few days because mm-hmm. he would be spending some of the time in Denver. So that was a little bit taxing on the relationship, but ultimately I think it made it pretty strong. So I think at some point he decided to focus a little bit more on the Denver dance scene instead of traveling so much. And the relationship. And the relationship. <laughs> that was definitely part of the decision. And between the two cities, upstate New York, Rochester, and Denver, uh, we both thought Denver was the clear choice. So <laughs> That's pretty good. I was, you know, I think just one day he said, well, what, uh, if, what if you move to Denver? And I was like, I think that's a good idea. So I was just at a good point in my life to make that transition as yeah. well. So I started applying to jobs in Denver. And I think it was probably, and my contract was ending my current position. And timing worked out just really well where I happened to get a position in Denver before I moved here. All right, I, that helps out. Makes yeah, I did the interview over Skype and basically got the job, moved here within two weeks of that time and started working. So uh, that was, when When was that? That must have been 2014. 14? 14. Uh, 2014. 14. <laughs> uh, yeah. There's a, a coaster Chinese. here on the table that has yeah. like your wedding on it. Yes. Wedding Can date, you, yeah. Oh, that's cool, I like that. It's big too. Helps yeah, us remember person. things. <laughs> so, did did you guys ever worked like full time professional uh, dancing instructors, performers, where you didn't have to have a second job or a day job? Kenny has. Yes, so, I could have used that second job, but uh, initially when I moved out here because I didn't have much of a plan except compete a lot and okay. like spend this one separate bank account. Uh, specifically for competitions and traveling and then I was working at a um, ballroom studio down in Littleton for a little bit but that was a little bit too uh, crushing to my dance hole a little bit (laughs) a little too much structure Lindy Hop more of a street dance free flow it's something like I truly enjoy okay Uh, super fun teaching people and then again when I got an offer to uh, move out and teach in uh, Portugal and that's when I just quit my job moved my stuff back to Kansas City and then just left uh, for Portugal and then for a good for a good 10 10 months I think yeah 10 to 12 I was a full-time dance instructor and then eventually I found that I could return and float between my old position here in Denver and going overseas whenever I needed slash wanted to right which was a really nice situation how did did you end up how did you end up and you would teach uh, swing overseas yeah teaching Lindy Hop how did you end up yeah, that. um, that's just so fascinating to yeah. Spain and Portugal of all places. I mean, I know they're big dance countries, but like to go teach American dance over right I'm, overseas. Lindy Hop is huge uh, inter- internationally. It's it's grown yeah. uh, amazingly since. Uh, there's a huge event in Sweden called Harang. I think that's been a big thing uh, for the international community because for a six week long session over the summer. You could go off and learn all these uh, vintage dances that sprung out of Harlem, New York. But anyway, as far as how I got that gig, old teaching partner, when I used to teach at the Mercury Cafe, Tiffany Wine, uh, two of our students were doing, one of them was doing a PhD program in Galway, Ireland. They got asked to go to, uh, we got asked to go to Galway. Uh, We paid for our flights there. And out of that, I knew I wanted to visit somewhere else. Sure. And so my spot ended up being Porto. Uh, Portugal because a friend connected me up to somebody else well out of that I ended up teaching a two-hour workshop to their advanced students myself and the principal organizer we stayed in touch and she had been running that scene uh, for about three or four years at that point by herself like leading following bringing up her students so that they could teach like new beginner levels alongside her and so 
she found out that she liked teaching with me. She liked how I did things. So we stayed in touch. My job was tanking uh, at that time, thanks to the economy. And so it ended up being like a really a good amount of awesome factors that were still stressing me out over that decision. But I mean, overall, like it, it worked out really well to get asked and then eventually go live in Porto, uh, teaching like five different levels of classes and really how long, in the community. How long did you live there? Uh, three months. Wow. Yeah, just due to visa. Sure. I had to be out within 90 days. Sure. And when did, and you guys also uh, have your own business or are part of a business that, yes. that teaches swing. Can you mm-hmm. talk about that? Yeah, so that's Swing in Denver. I started that in 2014, and, and that, that was kind of one of the factors regarding me wanting to stay in Denver because I figured if I was going to stay and be happy here, I had to start my own thing, invest in something new. And so uh, we started Swing in Denver and it officially launched May of 2014. And so we do um, a lot of different weekly classes here in Denver, run different dances in the Santa Fe Arts District, run special workshops, special events like our speakeasy soiree that happened in January. What else? That's pretty much all we do. Yeah. <laughs> that's a lot. Well, that, that is a lot. It's like and huge I, I guess what's also like important to say too is like we do a lot of different collaborations with businesses in the community. Yeah. Uh, like the Stanley Marketplace, Little Man Ice Cream, Dry Dock Brewing, uh, Infinite Monkey Theorem in the past, and so that's kind of the, one of the things that we embrace because one of our missions is to get swing dancing out in the public eye, and how we do it is by also trying to initiate these awesome partnerships. Okay. Did Jesse, do you think there is there a difference between like swing dance that you learned in on the East Coast versus swing dance that he learned in the Midwest, or is it pretty hmm. much the same? It probably was different, but like thinking back to when I first learned dancing, I was learning in a ballroom studio. Okay. So the style within ballroom studios is sometimes a little bit different, which it definitely was when I learned within that class. But then they also happened to have a, an instructor that specialized in Lindy Hop. So I learned from him for a while, and then I think it was a little bit more true to form as far as what the dance really authentically looks like. Right. But yes, there are different styles between coasts, especially East Coast and West Coast. Those are also different names of dances, but I'm not talking about that. Yes, I would say the styles were different, but they're so still so similar. So you can dance with people from the opposite coast, from other countries, really easily and it's kind of fun to actually have the different styles within the dance sure my midwest style was terrible looking (laughs) (laughs) which is one of the reasons why i moved here with the goal to like learn a truer more authentic style of lindy hop oh okay so that i could mesh better with the whole national international scene right right so explain to me and to the listeners like yes swing lindy hop charleston what are all these things? Right. <laughs> so I think I know. Yeah. <laughs> but just in case anybody who's listening doesn't know. Yeah, all the dances that we're referring to fall under a big swing umbrella. And then under that you have dances like Lindy Hop, Charleston, Balboa, Blues, Collegiate Shag. St. Louis Shag. You could even say that West Coast Swing, Carolina Shag, like they all kind of fall under this big swing umbrella. Okay. Uh, the primary dance that we do is called the Lindy Hop. It's the authentic original form of swing dancing that they were doing back in the Savoy Ballroom in the 1920s and 30s and into the 40s even. But within even Lindy Hop, you can switch back and forth to Charleston and Balboa and Shag and other types of dances. So we primarily teach Lindy Hop, but it also encompasses a lot of other styles. Okay. We well, guys teach advanced classes, teach, which... Yeah. Which incorporate is just an incorporation of those other styles. You don't teach like, okay, we're just going to focus on this particular. Well, right. Kind of both. Yeah. I mean, right now uh, in our swing 2C, C being for Charleston, it's all Charleston that we're teaching. But then when we turn the music on, we're also encouraging our students to, you know, try to transition in and out of of Lindy Hop with the triple steps back into Charleston. Right. Right. uh, To the faster music. But generally, it's, it's all mixed together because when you look at the social floor, that is what everybody's doing. And we want to be able to give our students from day one the tools to be successful if they were to go out social dancing that night. Right, right. Yeah, I'm, uh, so I took a six-week class with you guys. And I was amazed at how quickly 
We went to the steps. And if you, we didn't go home and practice, especially by week three, if you weren't practicing on a regular basis, yeah. you were lost and fell behind. Yeah. You guys throw <laughs> a lot at your students. Uh, that, that's definitely true. Ideally, you would practice outside of class. There are definitely a lot of people who don't practice outside of class. That's obvious, isn't it? Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes they have the natural talent. Maybe they don't need to be practicing every day. Sure. Um, but we can definitely tell the students who have practiced a little bit more uh, than other students. But I don't know. I always try to tell our students, and maybe more so in advanced classes, we want to push you beyond where you are currently. Sure. Um, and that does require practicing outside of class. So that what we teach you within class is not graspable within 75 minutes. We're giving you more than 75 minutes of material, yeah. but expecting that you will work on it outside of class, work on it in future weeks, go out social dancing, and eventually grasp it. Right. Right. Yeah. I was thinking back to so I grew up as a drummer and took drum lessons from the top, I think like fourth grade, I was thinking maybe fourth grade, fifth grade. Yeah. And I think that my parents, the school probably said, hey, if you go play drums or whatever instrument you're going to play, like here's a list of select teachers that we recommend. And mm -hmm. so I had one teacher, I actually had two teachers throughout my drumming career in high school. And I don't remember, how, I have no idea how I got this second one, but I'm guessing it was probably like there were students, there were drummers that were way better than me. And so I was like, this teacher's not cutting it, or my parents thought the teacher wasn't cutting it. And so they found out this other teacher who was much more demanding, and he was definitely very demanding. And, and because of that, made me a much better drummer. But I don't know what kind of certification he had to say that he could teach. I mean, he was, he was very close to that, uh, the representation of the guy in Whiplash, if you guys seen that movie. I mean, that's the kind of teacher he was. I could relate so well to the discipline that 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 teacher put on his students because that was like my teacher. So I'm kind of digressing, but we're like, not that demanding. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be afraid to come to our classes. <laughs> no, yeah, not to scare anybody away. Is there some sort of certification that, that is encouraged or that people need to get to say, hey, I'm a teacher of dance? There, there really isn't. Uh, I mean, sometimes like we're a part of this Facebook group. Sometimes there's talk about codification, but then there's also people that are like, we are a street dance. And so, like, like, and street dance meaning, meaning like it evolved outside of ballroom dance studios. Yeah. Outside of like a formal, this is how yeah, it's done. Yeah, people just kind of created it and yeah. then copied each other and evolved it and just it was, from dancing. And it was learned on the dance floor. Yeah, yeah. Or like off to the side of like people trying to like steal something or being like, hey, can you show me that one thing that you did? Because I think I was re uh, no listening to an interview done with Al Menz that Swedish national television did because he was a famous dancer uh, out of the Savoy, uh, part of Whitey's Lindy Hoppers, and, and these Swedes uh, discovered him, brought him back to train them, and that's kind of where like Harang all started. Uh, but I'm mentioning this because one of the quotes was like, you can look around the room and there's thousands of different styles out there. Mm -hmm. But now we have this like, you know, a little bit of codification, even while we're still trying to encourage our students of like, discover your style like we're teaching you this you know plain vanilla basic but we really want you to discover like your own take sure on sure it. well yeah and and again not to scare anybody away you guys are, <laughs> you guys were fantastic instructors i mean it was, i've never taken dance classes formal dance classes before and mm -hmm. it was challenging and it was like if you don't practice you're gonna fall behind but it, but i think i rose to that because of being a drummer and yeah. so i took the class with my wife and she has never taken any sort of music, anything. Um, mm -hmm. And so for her just to get a steady beat was tough. And yeah. we, practiced, we practiced probably, I think, an hour a day for the first, between the first and second week. Awesome. Nice. Um, and then that slowly went down to a half hour <laughs> hey, a day know. and then a half hour every other day. But, it happens. But like just because of the, ba like the basics, like I want, I'm like, if we don't get the basics, we'll be lost. And you guys did a really great job. So yeah, I mean, that's why, yeah, I mean that's why we like try to especially like incorporate like a lot of different rhythm and like repeating like the triple steps and step steps like in the beginning few weeks. Yeah, and just to get people comfortable because we. And want that's something that the basic is something we work on every week. Even if we're not really working on it, you're doing it every week after that. Um, so you do get a lot of practice at yeah, that basic for sure. step for sure. Yeah. What challenges have you guys had as far as like whether learning to become proficient teachers or within your own practice of dance 
you know. Yeah, I mean, I'd say my challenges came pretty early on because, like I said, I was kind of thrown into it without a lot of training. Okay. And even though there is no specific training you have to receive, an hour of training how to be a teacher <laughs> doesn't really seem like enough looking back at it. So I just kind of figured it out as I went with my sister. You know, you're in class with students and you realize you don't know how to explain what you're doing sometimes. Right, right. And you just have to try on the spot. And then afterward, you're like, oh, man, we could have explained that way better. And then you think about it and talk about it. And then next time it gets a little bit better. Sure. And that still happens to me sometimes. Like I'll choreograph a dance and teach that choreography. There's a group called the Diamond Dolls in Denver, which is like a chorus girl, all girls dance troupe. And Mm -hmm. I choreograph for them sometimes. And just because I choreograph something doesn't even mean I know how to do it and how to teach it. (laughs) So sometimes... You just realize in the middle of class, uh, let me think about this for a moment before I teach it to you because I don't want to teach it to you the wrong way. So I guess the challenges that I had at the beginning still sometimes come up, but just a lot less often. Sure, sure. Yeah. So that just comes with like years of teaching and yeah. getting better as a teacher, right? Yeah, and teaching with different people too. Yeah. You know, Kenny and I started teaching together pretty soon after we met, and thankfully it worked pretty well. Um, we had similar teaching styles, or at least complementary teaching styles so I think teaching with different people and people who may be better than you in some ways definitely helps you become a better teacher definitely yeah sorry just on that note (laughs) I I calculated one time I think I've taught with 60 different people wow uh, so far and uh, like myself I was also thrown to the woes like one of my earliest experiences was being told that I needed to cover the intermediate foxtrot lesson at a ballroom studio and I maybe knew beginner bronze level syllabus and so I was practicing my butt off upstairs in order to uh, (laughs) convince the class that I was an authority on this uh, a little bit later and so managed to survive that other things that have helped me I got a a partner uh, with an amazing uh, west coast swing dancer who was also a uh, country country dance champion and she was like a really strong mentor and like really helped me be more clear because I used to just like hey do this thing and then she would ask very direct questions oh what wall are you facing what hand are you lifting up right now and then I realized that these are my cues to explain to the students sure and then I became a very uh, wordy teacher and then I worked with this other uh, amazing instructor for like two hours her name's Ramona Staffeld down in Melbourne Australia and she was like you're being too wordy this should be about the joy of it and trying to like express through movement. And then out of that, I, I, I kept finding like my way to balance things. And sure, like sure. in Europe, overcoming language barriers, I learned to teach mainly through um, a uh, demonstration, but then also by leading and following people because when you don't know the common language, you can at least show them through physical touch and sure. connection. Yeah, yeah. Um, and know how to say good or bad for them. <laughs> uh, but those are kind of been like my struggles and learning experiences. But um, and you guys have competed time. a fair amount, you'd say. Kenny more so than I. He's much more into that world, and like he mentioned yeah. it as an inspiration. Yeah. I wouldn't mention it really as an inspiration. Okay. I mean, I've had great experiences along the way, but it's like I said, very stressful for me. So, yeah, I don't really thrive in competition. So what's, that, what's been yeah. one of your like, greatest competition successes? I think I mentioned earlier, or when we were talking earlier, that I do solo. I did solo competitions a lot. Uh-huh. Uh, so that can be really invigorating because you're out there by yourself in a spotlight in front of hundreds of people. <laughs> and sometimes you have wins and sometimes you have loses, but I definitely had a couple of wins along the way. Um, none really more important than the other, but that feeling when they announce your name as first place is pretty exciting. Yeah, for sure. And then to look back at the video and be like, yeah, I did pretty well. (laughs) (laughs) feel pretty good about that. Yeah. Yeah. Kenny, how about you? What kind of competition, what's been like a competition success that stands out for you? A couple of them, there's a, there's an event called Camp Hollywood that is held in LA. And every so often there's a late night dance contest called the Underground Jitterbug Contest. And if you want to imagine, imagine a gladiator fight pit, but instead of gladiators, there's a bunch 
of swing dancers all partnered up and then surrounding you is about a circle about eight people deep all the way around and then they're typically throwing money at you because a that's going to be the prize money that you're about to win or the last contest i was in for that they there's a legendary couple dave and kim uh from ventura and they were like people were just throwing money for like their honeymoon so <laughs> i uh we won the competition for their honeymoon basically but basically what's happening is you're dancing to really fast music there's people all around you you're throwing air and you're trying to watch out so that you're not hitting your fellow dancers but then also any audience member and there's a clip on my instagram channel of of uh me throwing delilah uh backwards over my shoulder delilah's my comp main competition partner and she hits the cameraman and at, she hits him and she holds on to me for dear life which means i also like land backwards and somebody on the side and this is actually david who you're raising like raising money for picks me up and throws me back into the circle and we just kept on dancing <laughs> and just throwing crazy stuff how, but how, i was fired up how does uh how is their elimination like how is the elimination determined or uh how, there's how the win determined <laughs> Uh, there's like two or three old old school dancers that have just been out there a while and like the guy that runs it Nick Peterson he's like these guys are like the jitterbugs spirit holders and so they're just they're just tapping people out but but if the audience boos their decision hard enough you will get thrown back in oh wow I, I have uh, been uh, eliminated a couple times and only to be thrown back in and then eventually there's just a few of you going crazy like and the dance, all, dance fight club yeah, you're all exhausted <laughs> at that point. It's a hot, sweaty mess. But what the audience wants is for you to just leave your heart and soul out there sure. and be a yeah. sweaty mess. Yeah, yeah. That's Works. cool. That's very cool. You guys running this business together or doing the like teaching together. I mean, you said you complement each other well in the teaching style. Yeah, I think we complement each other in teaching and also in business. Kenny's the primary owner of Swing in Denver, but I provide a lot of advising. So maybe where he's lacking. Copy editing. Copy, <laughs> copywriting and copy newsletter. editing definitely fall to me. Our monthly newsletter that we send out. PR. Um, yeah, PR, which I do for a living. You know, Kenny is not the best in that area, but where I don't do well, he does. Yeah, like, he yeah. spends a lot of time on the business, promoting, learning about different marketing techniques, going out there and flyering around the communities, things that I definitely don't want to do and don't have time to do. <laughs> so it works pretty well, I think. Yeah, it works pretty well. <laughs> do you have a day job as well, Kenny? I do. If you guys could both work within the dance realm full-time and not have to have a day job, would you guys do it? I would not. You would not? No. I like my day job a okay. lot. Okay. Yeah. I have a lot of fun with it and it's what I've studied for and dancing to me, I still want to be primarily about fun mm -hmm. and I do like teaching. I like teaching the amount that I'm teaching right now, which is once, maybe twice a week and you know, and the amount I go out socially and seeing the amount I work on the business is perfect right now. Okay. But I don't think I would enjoy a lot more of that. So for you, it's a good balance of... Yeah. The day job is also a passion of yours or something that you love to do. Yeah. And the dancing is an outlet of yours, also something you love to do. And you feel like you have a good balance between those. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Kenny, how about you? That, that is sort of the uh, debate that Swing in Denver is in. Okay. Like as we look towards the future and what that might look like. Because we also did a teaching workshop where we brought out somebody uh, from Montreal about a year and a half ago. And then we had a private session with the Swing in Denver staff. And like we wrote down future goals and like out there as a big goal is potentially like a more permanent space that is more our own but like do i imagine like i'm fully dedicated to dance i'm not sure about that because <laughs> for me it's all about balance yeah and i would still want to make sure that i'm keeping a healthy relationship with dance with jesse with other people in the community and not getting burnt out because I have experienced that before, but I've been doing this for four years and it's still fun, which is great. But I also think a part of that is because we have really great staff and also being able to collaborate within the Denver community is very sustaining and inspiring. And yeah, those are the things I'm thinking about. Okay, sure. So possibly, 
possibly but not, but not, not i'm just not, not willing yet. to commit to that answer yeah, yeah, yeah well no that's good that's good it's a question i think that i well it's a question i ask a lot of artists because there's artists on all different levels and mm-hmm. and you could have you know really superb artist who is not necessarily nationally recognized you know like you could have right. a fantastic musician but it's not justin timberlake or whatever like yeah. a fantastic singer not justin timberlake but it's still just as good like still has the pipes still has the vocal talent maybe even can still dance as good as he can but just not on a national level but still very very successful and and i think that's a challenge that young people also have especially if they're going to be an artist is like well i want to be in the spotlight and but you can be in the spotlight without having a national spotlight without being on tv or whatever i mean if you want that i think you should really go for that and give it your all but you can have you can be very very successful and you can have balance of having family and other interests and other career and just have it just as much fun right yeah and uh there, there's actually like some other people that are having this conversation and trying to figure out how, like how to balance everything and like what they what they want out of life and, and figure out like can they have that spotlight national and be willing to like invest all that time and training and travel to like get their name out there or do they take it like more on a local level because there are quite a few uh teachers out there that have grown a local swing scene and are living off of that yeah yeah when did you start in swing dance 97 in the late 90s and you were in 2003. early 2003 so i uh remember in the late 90s i i lived in florida and swing dancing was huge like that was like the resurgence yep cherry pop and daddies and all the, the bands brought the dancers and it was really really huge do you think today that community is still just as big as it was back then it, not quite the same size, or maybe just in a different way, but it did have, as you're saying, a huge resurgence in the late '90s, which we definitely wouldn't be where we are today with that without that resurgence. I yeah. mean, obviously, Kenny started right. during that time. A dancer that uh, recently, well, within like the last two years, moved back to Denver. Uh, used to be quite involved back then, and she found uh, a one sheet that was about 11 by 17, in which her friend Victor Ward had listed out all the places where you could go swing dancing there were may oh, there were at least 20 30 places wow. i mean because like it was a huge bar scene it was like what you did you know back then whereas like i think like edm's getting huge in denver now and like filling up the clubs um but that's what you did back then so it's different but i mean also like south korea has 15 uh well seoul has 1500 to a thousand dancers out there yeah, internationally, it's, it's really it's popular huge. all over the world right wow. now in all the major cities, wow. um, which is pretty cool. Like you can go dancing in Seoul, and I don't know how to speak the language there, but I know one but language. You could dance, dance, right? Yeah, for sure. So I would be able to dance with them there, and that's pretty cool. Yeah, there's a school I visited three years ago in Barcelona, and at that point they had 1,600 students, and then the, the second largest one there had a thousand. Yeah, wow. I, that's well, I, I was I actually had mentioned that to Jan Race. In taking your class, because I, I love to dance. Like I said, I never had had professional lessons. I was just a club kid, you know. And, and yeah. But then, like when I visited uh, the Caribbean, visited Puerto Rico, like I learned salsa. Nice. But again, and that's a fairly easy dance to learn if you don't have any dancing background. Mm-hmm. But getting into like more advanced, even with salsa, merengue, and then with swing. I was like, we could learn this, and then you could do this literally anywhere in the world, yeah. Yeah. not even knowing that there's an international community out there. I'm like. It's cool. It's fun, and to have to actually dance where you're doing steps and and there's some control to it, some pattern to it. Like it makes, it, I think it makes it more fun. It makes it more than just you know going out there and grooving to the music, <laughs> which is fun too. Yeah. Right. But having a, having steps also because people watch too. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah people say uh, like learn learn swing salsa or tango, and like you're set wherever you go worldwide. Yeah. Do you guys have? interested in traveling you try you taught overseas do you want to travel overseas to teach or to experience dancing worldwide well definitely it's just it's harder to do it now um i mean just last year i really wanted to bring jesse back uh to portugal to introduce her to some of my friends and while we were there we ended up uh, teaching i think what a two hour class two and a half hour thing two classes so primarily a vacation but we can never really go on just a vacation. Sure, yeah. <laughs> we always have to do some element of dancing, whether it's teaching or going to the local dance night. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right, yeah, because we did. We went out dancing also in Barcelona. So, yeah. And that was really fun in a small club. 
Yeah, so... If you do a little lesson, then, it's like, that's extra play money while we're on vacation. Exactly. Well, so, yeah, yeah we can't really turn it trip. down. Local, <laughs> local currency. And, yeah, that usually ends up being the perfect amount, like teaching one night or one day while we're on a 10-day trip. So we both like traveling. Uh, it's just, like Kenny said, getting a little bit harder to do. Sure. Because sure. it, it's an investment trying to also like let organizers know that your name that's out there and then trying to hire an American too. Like it's nicer if they can split costs between different scenes. But, you know, hey, if we're just going out there as like part vacation as a married couple, well, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to do, hard to make attractive to uh, international scenes like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you guys have a little one on the way. We haven't yes. talked about that yet. <laughs> yes. that. <laughs> I'm due July 18th. Okay. Yeah. Uh, do you plan on uh, continuing to teach till when? Um, I'm teaching this current session, and then I think I have a break because I knew I would be busy in the spring just getting ready. Uh, Kenny's still teaching a, a little bit in the spring, and then we have uh, the summer off, and Kenny's definitely going back. Well, the summer off quotes as Kenny shakes his head. Um, <laughs> he's not scheduled to do anything during that time, but we'll see what happens. Uh, and then definitely going back to teaching in the fall, Kenny more so than I. Yeah. And we'll just kind of have to see how things go then. Stay behind your back. Yeah. On your chest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> People do all, it. All the equipment for the uh, Wednesday night hot pants are in my garage. So. We'll okay. be involved in some way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. maybe, maybe dance classes in the garage. Yeah. Three people, four people. Uh, no. I have to clean okay. that out. <laughs> do you guys think that um, movies like La La Land that are primarily they have big dance sequences in them. Do you think that that brings a resurgence of dance for occasion? Like, did you guys see a resurgence Not of Not that specific Not one. Not that one, yeah. I didn't hear people go, oh my God, La La Land. But I well, I heard people say that, but well, not in yes. relation to swing dancing. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Yeah. But yeah, there's there's occasionally things. I mean, still the easiest thing for people to grab onto is like... Uh, Ballroom show, people dancing with ballroom stars. So you think you can dance with the stars? Dancing with the stars, thank you. Yeah. They sometimes have uh, swing dancing or even specifically Lindy Hop, where the couple is trained by a Lindy Hop instructor that we both know. And people get excited about that and they see it in the mainstream again. Well, there was also Swing the Dock, which, I mean, helped a little bit. It was a documentary. Documentary. A recent documentary about swing dancing. It's on Netflix if you want to watch it. You definitely swing swing the dock. Yes. Right? Yep. Swing the no, dock. It's called Alive and Kicking. Oh, Alive and Kicking. Yeah. <laughs> we just made up that other name. <laughs> There's this documentary that you might see someday. Alive and Kicking. Yes. Alive yes. and Kicking. Okay. Yeah. So that's a really interesting portrayal of the current. I think it's mostly about the modern swing dance scene. If you want to learn even more about what's going on in the world. Are you guys in that piece? Uh, I'm not. For one swing out. Kenny is for Kenny. one swing out. All right. <laughs> Probably less than a second. Not featured in it. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I thought was interesting early on was the, the homeschooling and getting involved in swing. And like I said, I was a, there was a big music program when I was in school. And I haven't kept up on it lately, but I know that traditionally over the past 15, 20 years, Colorado itself is one of the worst states in the nation for extracurricular arts programs. Do you guys have anything, any comment on that as far as like working with kids I mean that sounds terrible why it's uh, important why, let I mean, me ask you this it sounds terrible oh it sounds terrible <laughs> that there's, uh, I mean, there's a lack pro- of extracurricular activities yeah there's, pro- uh, there's um, programs here like for music I, I do know music and there's a lot of schools don't have their own music programs so you'd have to go outside and do something similar to what homeschooling kids do is like have their own organization that's outside like School of Rock or some of these other organizations well uh, we are going to be partnering with Youth on Record, uh, speaking about extracurricular musical activities, okay. which um, works on like the music, uh, instrumental, but, uh, but then also like production side of things for like underprivileged youth. Yeah. But I mean, outside of that, like some other things, I know there, there is an organization called CM Dance that through uh, nonprofit grants through like the SCFD, uh, they do uh, they they do teach dance swing dancing like also like Charleston within uh, public schools. Mm-hmm. We partner with one uh, Catholic homeschool group, and possibly we might be working on a second homeschool group that we met at our first Wednesday night hop dance this year. Man, I really do think it's important for people to develop an appreciation for you know dance movement, also music. You know that came out of here, and I think I find uh, jazz of the swing era like more visceral, which I think 
I would hope people might be able to like better connect to. Um, yeah, I mean that's an important part of our history, America's yeah. history, um, yes. both the music element and the dance element. Um, so not recently, but I have taught in some schools in upstate New York uh, where they would bring us in as part of a history program for the day. Really? Okay. And it was really fun. All the kids would get dressed up and like maybe it was 1920s themed. Um, And all the kids would get dressed up. We would teach them how to do Charleston. We would do a little performance. And throughout the day, they'd be learning the history that surrounded it also. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the more of that, the better. But it comes down to budget because I have been approached by schools before. And I have to say, like, these are my rates because of my my business element and how I operate. Sure. But really, you should be contacting CM Dance because they have the grant money and they can send people out there where they're not charging the schools. Okay. Yeah. So it's happening in some ways. Yeah. 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 I was going to ask why dance is important. You, yeah. You were like, well, the history. And, and then I realized, wow, it's almost 100 years old. Like yeah. this style of dance. But then some people would say, well, like, who cares? You can read about it online or watch videos. Like, why is it important it's to keep not this the alive? Same thing. <laughs> I mean, it's also like, it's hard to find like some of these, some of these older videos. And I, I think it's like important to go to these classes, like African drumming classes, so you can get like started in the roots of like where swing dancing came from and like learning, learning these other elements. It's not just important. Not just important from a history element. Right. Like for me and the reason I dance is because it brings me joy and it's an area where I can express myself. Mm-hmm. So why one of the reasons why I teach is because I can share that with other people and give that to them and have that be a part of their life because it's been such a big part of my life and I don't know where I would be without it, but I'm definitely glad that I had it and I ended up where I am today. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that was really good. Thank you. <laughs> what do you think holds most people back from being better uh, at their art, in this case dance, being, being better as a dancer? Self-confidence. So practice. Lack of self-confidence. Lack of, self, yeah. lack of self-confidence. Because uh, I find that's something that our, our students need is just like just a steady dose of encouragement and actually like letting like sharing our struggles with them but then also giving them permission to fail because mm-hmm. I think people just want to like nail it the first time which I understand but it's not necessary right, right. and I think there's great value in struggling yeah and that that definitely leads to the creativity element which in swing dancing is a huge part of it it's not just about learning the steps and doing those right it's about learning those steps and then knowing kind of how to do them wrong. <laughs> right. Like somebody, um, like some of our students would be like, I did it wrong. And I'm like, bonus move. Like, yeah, hey. Like, that was awesome. You just created something new. Yeah. Or um, I'm like, oh, good job. You faked your footwork to get back on. Right. Like, right. that's immensely valuable. Yeah. <laughs> so in this, case, in this case, then swing is not necessarily about ha- having the proper foot placement Oh no! Everything like, move. It's more free flow within the constraints of yeah. Improvising the to the music, improvising with your partner. Uh, every dance is going to be completely different. Yeah, I remember a story that I heard from this instructor. His name's Kevin Saint Laurent, and it was about the first time that the that these um, dancers uh, were working with Frankie Manning. He's a Lindy Hop legend. Uh, you can check him out. Uh, there's a very famous video called Hell's a Poppin'. You can uh, watch him. A film. Uh, a film. Yeah. Uh, there's a film clip on, on YouTube, and he's in overalls. They play something, and then they watch him. Like, they say, hey, can you do that swing out again? He does it. All right. And they're like, all right, great. They take some notes, and they're like, all right, we're going to put the music on again, do a swing out again. Okay. Completely different. <laughs> Completely different, because he was just dancing to the music, and right. it was different in that one spot, and he's improvising. And uh, I think that's awesome. But then they also, like, had to codify it. To right. like spread it to the masses, which is really interesting. Well, that's what I was just going to say was that another thing that you guys do, which I think is really great, is the recap video. Doing the video, I'm sure you know this, but I can't tell you how many times I got, I watched, especially the first couple weeks, like nice. over and over and over and over and over. Yeah, and I found like going down, I mean, I only did six weeks of dance practice, but I, but I found that as, as we got closer to the end, weeks four, five, and six, 
what you just talked about, like you mess up what you think is a mistake, but you realize, oh, I'm still hanging with my partner here. Things Sticks. are still, still yeah. flowing and it's okay and it's good. And I, that's another aspect of it that I really enjoyed is like, it doesn't have these strict regimented, you have to do this here mm-hmm. now. Because the thing is, is like eventually, like hopefully, you and our students will go out social dancing. Now you're dancing surrounded by so many people, which is chaos and motion. And somehow, hopefully you'll avoid kicking or like, you know, gesturing your arm in somebody's face. Right, right, right. Uh, so it's sure. just sometimes, pure chaos. Yeah, sometimes improvising just comes from needing to navigate the dance floor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to ask you guys both this question. If you had 60 seconds with your 20-year-old self, what piece of advice would you give? Related to dancing? It could be just related to life, just whatever. Knowing what you know now, having gone through life and be like, wow, this is a piece of advice I wish I had gotten. I would shake their hand, I'd say enjoy the journey, and then I would part. <laughs> I mean, there are moments There are moments that, I mean, I do regret, but I would not be who I am, where I am in life sure. if I did not go through that journey. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't want to mess that up. That's yeah, good. I see the point of that. Yeah. You don't want to yeah. give your younger self too much information because... I'm happy with where I ended up now. Right. But I think I would just say something like, you know, trust your instincts. Don't be afraid to try new things. And you can do whatever you want to do if you set your mind to it, which is maybe really cheesy, but has really been like the, the thought that gets me to where I am today and to take some really big steps and make some really big changes in my life. Okay. Yeah. We're, uh, we're recording this in early 2018. What you just said made me think of this movement that's been happening over the past year uh, through Hollywood and through TV and everything um, and this women empowerment. Yeah. Does, is there um, a chauvinistic or is there a, a dichotomy? Is there a difference for women being in dance? As far as like, I, I know the traditional roles of lead and follow usually fall to male and female, but like just as being a female working within the industry, yeah, I mean, I feel like there are a lot of ways I could answer that question. Um, but one thing that Honestly, I hopefully. stuck on to was the roles within the dance and how you said traditionally the leader is male, traditionally the female is the follower. And that's we're getting more and more away from that. And we actually don't mention it in the beginning of our classes anymore. Mm-hmm. We say we might describe their role briefly. So the follower is the one who interprets an action and responds appropriately and the leader is the one initiating the movement and creating the outline of the dance yeah and whichever role seems more interesting to you that's the one that you should do sure so that's one thing that i noticed from what you said yeah but looking at some pictures and some also like older archival footage i don't know if that's traditional you know yeah in the scene that was perhaps the savoy because there are videos of like women dancing with each other and I think there's like some stories out there of like you know practicing with like your male or female counterparts I mean that is how I got better is this other guy and I were like we both like this we're all going to the same classes let's break everything down together much like Jesse was doing with her sister Ellie yeah you said you had to learn the lead part as well yeah so that you could dance have a dance partner and I did the same thing with Jen Race I especially early on I was learning all of her steps Mm-hmm. And I think and I think it made me a little oh, better good. because I was like she was like how do you do this and I'm like all right and she wasn't she wasn't leading but she, I was trying to show her like from the video okay this is yeah. how you do it this is how you do it like I would figure it out and help her and uh, I think it helped me to become a little bit better there at the beginning and to kind of just it, have it click a little bit more yeah so I think in general um, we've gotten a lot better about equality within the dance and within the dance scene and. The follower, I think, was primarily seen as a secondary role for a long time. And now it is equal roles, or at least that's what we strive for. Sure. Where, yes, the leader is initiating movements within the dance, but the follower has some options as far as how they interpret that and respond to that. And they definitely have a voice within the dance. So it is a conversation between two people rather than the leader just talking at the follower and the follower spending the whole time listening, which is a little bit more what you have to do in the beginning when you're first learning. It's a lot about leading and then listening. 
But as you get further and further down the road and get more advanced, it becomes a lot more equal. Okay. Uh, and the follower has a much larger role in the dance, which okay. is great. But also in the beginning, I try to communicate, especially once we start introducing like swivels to contrast like the rock steps. I'm like, I, I try to talk more about choice. Like this is your choice. Yeah. You can choose what to do here. And I think that's important. And swivels are a follower's styling. Okay. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you Sorry. also mentioned earlier... <laughs> Air, I think you said. You air, air steps. Air steps. Throwing your partner okay. around your body, wanted, over your shoulder. Yeah, yeah, I thought of it earlier, um, and yeah, I wanted no to make problem. sure we brought it up because. <laughs> yeah, and and just to again get back to that question, there's also a greater movement too to make sure that women are getting more opportunities to be MCs, to be DJs, to be event organizers because. For a good long while, those seem to be male-dominated spaces. Not always the case, and sometimes it's scene-dependent also. People are demanding more, mm -hmm. uh, whether that is to be heard, to take on additional roles, or demanding that the organizers look further. Yeah, more opportunities for women, for people of different races and ethnicities, um, just to have a more diverse scene and a more diverse group at the top of the sure and that's something else that we have to work on is that you know we're teaching a dance form that sprung out of harlem new york and yet our current scene uh features many white people yeah mostly white yeah so primarily african-americans when the dance first started yeah yeah so we have to try to be uh, as authentic as possible, realizing that we are a different race than where the dance came from. So really making sure that we're hiring a diverse group of musicians, DJs, MCs, like Kenny was saying, uh, not just within genders, but within race as well. Sure. Yeah. And we're working on that. That is what I Yes, say. we're not perfect. Um, <laughs> We're not there yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're well. learning a lot. We're talking to a lot of different people and seeing how they do things and talking to people about how they want to be treated, how they want to be included, and trying to get better from there. We still have a long way to go. Yeah, and trying to give opportunities uh, to or making them more public, more accessible, more readily available. Because some people, like, they want to be involved, but they don't know how to. And so part of our role is Figuring trying to, like identify them or give them more opportunities to identify themselves so that we can incorporate sure. know, into our scene. Okay. So uh, what do you guys have coming up this year? Uh, you talked a little bit about the teaching schedule, especially around the baby, but fun stuff that you guys are involved in. Yeah, I'll let you take that. All right, cool. Well, due to a special request from one of our students, we are running a beginner men's only workshop because uh, this gentleman uh, found out from some struggles he was having in our, our swing one class is that he would feel more comfortable dancing with other men and so we're making that happen April 7th uh, that's a Saturday afternoon um, we have a dance uh, special event oh, on yes. March, March 31st, 31st called Saturday Night Hop our regular dance is called Wednesday Night Hop okay. so this is the Saturday version um, and it's paired with a larger workshop, but the dance is open to the public. It's open to all levels. And we have a beginner lesson beforehand. Yes, uh, so that's uh, a good one. Same with our Wednesday night hot dances. Other good ones coming up. Uh, hope to do a collegiate shag workshop beginning of May. We are working on a summer soiree event out in Cherry Creek in July. Little Man. Little Man Ice Cream is yeah. launching with Dinosaur Orchestra from New Orleans the Saturday of May twenty uh, Saturday May twenty sixth, and that's going to go from Memorial Day Saturday through Labor Day Saturday. And there are talks that we might be doing something at uh, one of Little Man's newer locations that'll be opening up soon. Yeah, so that is a free dance with live music every Saturday during the summer, which is pretty amazing. Wow, yeah. 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 And you guys with are involved in that? Or you guys are yes. part of that mm -hmm. every, yes. every weekend? Yeah. Or just, just one time? No, no. Like the whole time? The whole, yes. It's a whole 15 weeks. Okay. I, I am hired to uh, book the live bands, book the teachers. Oh, cool. We have a Facebook group specifically for the Swing and Saturdays at Little Bit Ice Cream uh, so that I can uh, promote and invite people into those uh, events and then we have uh, an annual event typically the first Saturday of November call our meet at the scene ball where we have a couple different student routines and try to invite some other groups within uh, Colorado to perform at that 
So that's, I think that's kind of what's that's a good upcoming. Outline. Yeah. <laughs> that's a lot. So because yeah, you guys have so much, what, what, I, what I'll do is I'll put some links in the show notes on the, on the webpage. And I also want to promote you guys as well. How can people get a hold of you? You have Swing in Denver. Swingindenver.com. Yeah, Find us on Facebook, Swing in Denver. Uh, that's Swing in with an apostrophe <laughs> right there. No G. No G. No G. <laughs> uh, Info yeah. at swingindenver.com. Those are probably the best ways. You can sign up for our newsletter or just, like Kenny said, follow us on Facebook. We post a lot of updates there. We yep. do have a lot of events and classes going on, but that is probably the best way. Yeah. Cool. All right. And uh, any last thing that you guys, either together or separate, would like to share with the Crave audience? Come out. Learn from us. Join <laughs> our community. I would just love to see dance continue to grow in Denver and our one of our main goals is I think Kenny mentioned earlier is to put it in the public eye so that we can grow the scene and not just for swing in Denver but there's lots of swing dance organizations in Denver and we hope that you know maybe you start in a class with us and then you go out social dancing uh, and something we don't run and you become a member of the scene overall and yeah. hopefully a lifer yeah because we, we like our addicts right? well I'll tell you what I from firsthand experience I really enjoyed taking taking the class with you guys I've uh, been talking with my wife about going back and I really wanted to take swing two and not redo swing one but I realize now it's been a couple months and I would at the very least need to spend a few hours practicing the swing one steps to get back into it but it was a lot of fun and so I, I recommend anybody who hears this check out swing in Denver, Denver check out Kenny and Jesse Go take a class. It has It's great fun. Can Lots I say one more thing? Please do. If you want to collaborate with us, give us a shout also. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's, that's a good shout out. Way. Yeah. Any other artists out there? Anybody that wants to collab? Artists, businesses. Yeah. We work with everyone. Awesome. Much. Well, cool. Thank you so much, Kenny Thank and Jesse Nelson. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Crave Magazine Podcast. I am Jim Wills, your host and producer for this episode, and I am on a mission to bring art back to the world. And with your help, we can make that happen. So please take a moment to leave a positive review for us on iTunes. And if you like what you heard, even more importantly, tell your friends. If there's something that we can do better, by all means, let us know. And if you are an artist or even just want to hear from a favorite artist, well, send us a message. We are putting this show out for all of us who love and appreciate the arts, so tell us how we can improve. Remember, always be good to one another, and of course, take time to feed your soul with art.